Cape Talk. A world view from London. Good morning again, Vicky. I hope you are well. Uh, we're going to be starting talking about using artificial intelligence to keep loved ones alive. I hope you mean this in loved ones alive in terms of our memory of them and not no. artificially connected to some sort of machine to be living perpetually. Well, no, this, I mean, this is definitely going to polarize opinions and, and AI at the moment is a, a big topic because people don't know exactly which direction it's going in. I've got a friend who works in AI and he once said to me that, um, thing about teaching a human something is it takes a long time to spread. You know, they may tell someone else and they'll tell someone else. You tell a computer something and it teaches all other computers straight away. Now, this is a guy who's working on AI at the moment. And his father passed away a couple of years ago. He's already managed to have an artificial intelligence conversation with his dad. So he's recreated memories and knowledge that his father had. And he can now speak to his father again. He's taking it one step further. And he's actually retrieving some DNA from his father's grave to recreate his father. He's pretty confident. And this is where it gets a bit frightening. He, he's pretty confident that by 2045, this will be a pretty standard thing to do. We'll all be able to do this if this is what we want to do. And I mean, personally, I find it a little bit morbid I, and macabre. And, uh, you know, it's not something I would want to do. It's a circle of life. But it seems like AI may be interrupting the circle of life. Yeah, I, I often get drawn to one of my favorite quotes in a movie. Um, it's by the character Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park. And he says, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. And yeah, you, you are right. It is incredibly morbid. But of course, would this just be from the perspective of the memory that this man has of his father? What about the father's own internal monologue, his own demons, his own thoughts that he would, like many others and all of us, we keep largely private and hidden from anyone else because it happens within our own mind. And whether, well, this, is, said, whether this is just his imagination of what his father would say to him. Well, he said it does need more depth, which is why they're going in the direction of talking not only to relatives, you know, like you say, his dad, but they're also, they'll also be talking to his friends and his colleagues and they get a form, they get a full perspective of how he lived his life and, you know, of a different range of views on how he thought. So they do get that fuller picture. Of course, it's never going to be him mm. totally, but, you know, there's another example of a, a guy who, um, in, I think is in California actually, in Silicon Valley, who's recreated his fiance who died and they're only young. And he's recreated his fiance who's, who's died and he has nightly conversations with oh. her now. And, and I sort of think that prevents you from moving on. It stops you from living your life. I mean, how long will he have a relationship with this AI version of his fiance? Yeah. Gosh. And then forget 10,000 steps a day. There are boffins who are revealing there's a quicker way to get fit. I mean, I think this is good news for any of us who want to be fit, but actually can't really be bothered. We've been told for a long time now that 10,000 steps is the way to go. You know, it's it's the thing that will give you fitness. Well, now boffins are saying, and I think this is something that um, elite athletes actually agree with. I think they've been runners in particular. If you do a short burst of energy, a short burst of exercise every single day, it's much better for you than a longer spell. So r rather than running 
say, five kilometers in 15 minutes, run one kilometer as quickly as you can at full pulse, and it's going to be better for you. They're now saying that don't do 10,000 steps. Do five staircases a day. Just go up and down stairs five times, and that's as good for you. As long as you do it with your, you know, put loads of energy into it and do it as quickly as you can. And then finally, um, shame, the world's oldest dog crosses the Rainbow Bridge. I know. And I mean, I think actually this is something I may create by AI. I love my dogs. I love my animals. And Bobby, the oldest dog who lived in Portugal, I've, I'm going to have a go at what breed he was. He was a Raffiro de Alentejo. I mean, I'm not, my Portuguese isn't that great. But he was 31 years and five months old. Can you imagine? 31 years and five months old. He lived on a farm in Portugal, ate human food, which is one of the things they thought may have you know, been the key to his longevity. He never once was put on a lead or a chain ever in his life. And it said, get this, Lester, it said that he survived his um owners trying to put him down because he escaped once he survived that when he was a puppy and lived till he was 31 years and five uh, 31 years and five months old not a bad life the american kennel association says 15 human years equal the first year of a medium-sized dog's life year two a dog equals nine years and then after that five years i always took it as a dog year is is um a one human year is seven in dog years so if he was 31 years old and you times that by dog years then bobby the world's oldest oldest dog was 217 years in my understanding Aww. of dog years not bad i mean i wish someone would tell my labrador <laughs> those dog year things because she's four and still as crazy as anything she's not grown up at all shame you will be miss vicky turner Chat to you soon. Really appreciate your time. You're under the worldview.